accountants. It's time to make it count. My name is Freddie Bennett, former accounting industry executive turned entrepreneur, business owner, change maker, and Guinness world record holder. In each episode, we bring you the powerhouses from across the accounting world to help you discover how to unlock endless possibilities, turbocharge your accounting practice, and make it count in business and in life. Thank you for showing up for yourself today. Now, let's dive into another unmissable episode of Make It Count. Welcome to another episode of Make It Count. And today, folks, we have got a real treat for you. I am delighted to welcome Mark Greer, founder and principal at Bisdom business advisors, and chartered accountants. Mark, welcome to Make It Count. For having me, Freddie. Pleasure. It's great to have you on the show. So, um, so Mark, to kick us off, for anyone who isn't aware of you or what you do, tell us a bit about Bisdom and the work that you do. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for having me. So we're a, a modern advisory, advisory-based accounting practice based here in Napier. Clients all over New Zealand. Um, we're six years old, founded by me six years ago. Um, we are heavy into advisory because it's sort of part of our, our purpose, I guess, um, 40% of our revenue. Um, in a structured way, it's kind of ingrained and infused into the place on how we roll. Um, a team of uh, 12 people and uh, big into outsourcing um, and advisory as well. So it goes into, into how we roll here, really. Perfect. Thank you, Mark. And uh, and I, I love that that phrase of advisory infused. And we're uh, we'll, we'll certainly come back and uh, dig a bit deeper into into what that means. But to get us a bit deeper into into you and uh, and your journey, how how did your accounting career start? Did you always want to be an accountant? Did you fall into the industry? Where did it all begin for you? Thinking about it, probably at school. You know, um, it was natural. It was easy. Mm. I understood it. I grew up in a rural environment, rural background, you know, here in Napier on an orchard. My family's always been in business. I always had an entrepreneurial, commercially minded bent to me as it is, you know. Um, it, it always had jobs throughout school, um, had a little business going throughout uni. And yeah, it was easy. I, enjoy, I enjoyed um, being in and around businesses. I, I sort of wasn't really designed to be an employee that well. <laughs> how did you so, um, yeah. was there any way that, that you learned that lesson in other sakes i that's very similar to me i learned after being an employee for for many many years that that my path uh maybe maybe lay in a more entrepreneurial stance but but was, was that again a quick realization for you probably uh teenage years mm. parents split up forced me to become fairly independent fairly young and i guess tasted freedom quite young, you know, in my teens, really. And, you know, once you've had freedom, you know, you know what it feels like. And uh, I guess part of being in business ideally should give you that freedom. So I think that's probably, if I think deep enough, where it came from mm. all the way back then. And then, um, you know, having worked, you know, did, did the accounting degree and came out of that and thought, well, you know, I suppose I better go and use this thing. <laughs> Winning, I was sick to death of um, libraries and studying. So, 
went over to Western Australia actually and drove the road trains for a while. I was, I was a truck driver. Amazing. Yeah, so I, I, I drive trucks for, for my parents, um, you know, carting apples. And I thought, oh, well, I'll go and use my, my HT license and, and drive trucks for a bit. That took all of two months to get bored, super bored of that. <laughs> um, so you yeah, came back and thought, oh, well, I better um, go, and, go and put this degree to good use. Uh, I think most most of my friends around me at the time thought there's no way that guy's going to sit in an office and be an accountant. Mm. So I was determined to prove them wrong, and I did. Spent some time, not long really, I'm looking back now, um, I think three years, you know, in an accounting firm. Um, I was lucky enough to have quite a lot of rope from the partner that I was reporting to at the time. He let me let me talk to clients mm. pretty early on and, you know, develop, quickly realised that, you know, you've got to do your time um, in compliance. Uh, back then I was coding bank statements and, mm-hmm. you know, balancing trial balances and things like that. But my strength lied with, with talking to clients. Mm. Um, you know, I was naturally like that. And, and he let me do that from a young age, which probably shaped my career looking back on it. I love that. Mm. I think it's it highlights the importance of of having leaders within a business who are willing to to give their team a chance. They're willing to let people sometimes take risks and potentially even even fail sometimes because that's sometimes how we learn the best rather than just being always constrained within the the, the confines of maybe a, a slightly restricted compliance role. Yeah, totally. I was actually walking back from lunch the other day with Summer having a conversation about this. And she was talking about, you know, people that, you know, work in accounting firms as grads or intermediates and they're not allowed to talk to clients. Mm. And that's just such a foreign concept to us here. You know, from day one, our team uh, we encourage them to go and get to the know get to know the clients and get to get to know them well. It's just how we roll. It would feel weird. Yeah. That's just part of being a modern firm, I guess. You're you're absolutely right. I remember from from my uh, my early years in uh, in the corporate accounting career and, and thinking I've I've done all this work, all those years of uni study. I've gone through all the the rigorous interview process, and then we're here booking taxis and uh, and carrying coats and and filling in spreadsheets and everything. And it, I think it's a fine balance between serving your time to some extent and, and making sure that you you can do the basics but i think as you say it, it's so important to give people that not only those learning development and developmental areas but also to help them feel more integrated within a firm because i think the the, the way that the accounting industry is right now and the the talent uh, restrictions we're seeing i think modern progressive firms as you say they they have to to give their people opportunities to learn yeah and then look we're feeling that we're we're really feeling the capability gap within, you know, new team members, you know, no disrespect to our team members, but they've come out of, you know, good, reputable firm, you know, but in terms of being able to explain in simple, easy to understand language, the numbers mm. is a skill. It's hard to do well. And, um, you know, we definitely have to spend quite a bit of time um, helping them do that, learn how to master that craft. Because, you know, we, we talk about our purpose. We call it leveraging your potential, which really came from, you know, that deep-seated belief that accounting is the language of business. It just is. And you, you need to be able to, to talk and explain goals and accounting speak to clients. And so most of our training, particularly for seniors who are already technically capable accountants, is on the soft skills on how to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's so right. And I wanted to to go back to something that you said 
uh, on your own journey, Mark, when you said you had this, this natural strength of talking to clients. And I know it's a bit of a cliche around this, that whole communication side of it. And some people say, oh, I'm, it's something you're either born with or you're not, or I'm a natural introvert or a natural extrovert. Do you think that, that things like that client communication can it be taught or can it be learned? Or, or do you think that there really is like that that natural, you've either got it or you haven't? I used to think that, but I've changed my views on that now. Mm. And with products like The Gap, where there's delivery notes, there's structured sessions, we've certainly systemized and structured advisory services in here mm. because it's such a big part of our business. You know, we, Christine used the word yesterday, you know, these guys are, the mini means now. You hear them use gap language, if you like, mm. or wisdom language. So once there's some structure in the delivery and we've sort of taken advisory off the pedestal, mm. this big scary thing that the partners and the seniors do, and dumbed it right down to this is just how we roll. It's a it's frankly a chat about setting goals, connecting them to numbers, and and agreeing some accountability, those three pillars then we see team members open up a bit, for sure. So some of the quiet ones that mm. might have been pigeonholed as being, you know, not client-facing, too shy, too quiet to talk to clients, you see them open up, up a bit, develop confidence over time. Because mm. all it really is is having a chat about future goals and having a look at a budget. Well, I would say most accountants can do that. And look, there's always going to be the odd personality clash with certain clients they don't fit with. But I'm convinced now that with a bit of structure, a bit of support, uh, the right culture and the right purpose, sense of purpose, more and more people can do it. That, you, that we might have in the past made the mistake of thinking, no, nah, they're not going to be able to do it. They're too quiet. You can't put them in front of their clients. They're too weird. <laughs> but clients like a bit of that. It's a massive shift. And I love the, I love the, um, the, the disruptive take that you take on it because it's, it's so easy to fall into a stereotype of we're, we're just back office being counters. We, we have people that talk to clients and people that don't talk to clients. And I think it's a, it's a bigger picture of, of, how, of how we can live our lives and that self-dialogue we say to ourselves. Some people say, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I can never lose weight or I could never do running or I could never, or, or I'm scared of heights. We all have these negative self-dialogues inside our heads and we see it a lot with, with accounting firms. So yeah, I could never be a salesperson. I could never make client presentations. I could never run client, all, all these things that we say to ourselves. But I think a lot of it comes from fear. And as you say, if if you give people the the structures, the knowledge, the the guidance, the habits, all of the all of the support structures around them, then you can prove to them that that they can actually achieve these things that they thought were impossible. Yeah, for sure. And that's where most of my time is now, is actually helping other accountants do that, infuse structured advisory services into their into their businesses, into their strategic plan. And uh, you know, when I when I get the ilk of, oh, you know, I don't have the confidence to do that. Um, I'm not going to be doing I don't like doing that. Uh, clients don't want that. Mm. Uh, then I just tend to just channel the conversation into being, hang on, let's just break this down and keep this simple for a second. Can you can you ask a question about goals and about the future? Mm. Do you feel comfortable about asking that question? Obviously, you've got to build a bit of rapport and be, position yourself as both advisor and coach. But yeah, people very often will, will open up and I say, yeah, well, I can, of course, of course, anybody can do that. 
And then I say, okay, well, you know, can you talk about um, the budget forecast and connect them to those goals? Oh, yeah, yeah, but I can't do it in front of the client. Why not? You're just asking questions. And then hopefully people realise they can do it. Accountants can do it. Mm. And it's a whole lot more fun and less risky. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. And that's, I think that that's the key point is helping people to realize that it's say it's, it's less risk, more reward, more enjoyable, more impact, more chance to make a difference. All these opportunities are there, but, but it is about helping accountants to see they need to, they need to step through the advisory door before they can, before they can start enjoying those opportunities. Yeah. And look, in your work then, you see, you talked about um, the, the other accounting firms that you work with. Is it possible to, to explain a bit more about what you do with that and also maybe some of the, some of the key challenges that you see if you're, if you're speaking to other businesses? Yeah, well, I, um, I've, built, I've built, built two accounting firms now. Um, my first one started that back in almost 2009. And at the time, zero was quite new and they're a couple of years old. And I wanted to sort of really climb into fixed price accounting. Um, which wasn't really done at the time. So we we did that, came up with a brand um, that was a little bit different, um, really embraced Zero as a software. We made it compulsory. Every client was on fixed price agreements and le- learned a lot about scaling up, scaling up an accounting firm. Mm. Um, and that, that business, you know, still goes really well. Sold that business, 2014, and started a new one, um, which is Wisdom. And we've scaled that now as well. So, you know, having having built a couple of firms and um, got a few grey hairs now, <laughs> made a few mistakes, got a few few battle scars. Uh, you learn, you know, learn a few things, and thought, well, okay, well, I'm pretty passionate about, I, I guess, the accounting practice as a business. You know, we, we don't sort of think about an accounting firm as a, as a, as a practice, Oscar. I guess we think about it as a business, and um, you know. I think it's one of the most beautiful business models that could ever exist, where a big part of our marketing is done by regulators for us. <laughs> but we also, if we're structured right and um, you know we're forward focused, we get to have a lot of fun with our clients as well. Not not an e- not easy to run, definitely not easy to run. You know, and I, I think having looking back now, about 30, 31, I was pretty burnt out. You know, I was mm. I was pretty tired. Uh, running quite quite a big firm by myself, um, probably a bit inexperienced to be mm. doing that. Didn't realise it at the time, but I was young and bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> getting, up, getting a bit older now, nearly 40. And I think mental health for account or partners and senior managers and accounting firms is not good at the moment. It's a real problem. Mm. And so I've been on a bit of a journey myself learn how to monitor, measure, and manage your own mental health and the huge part of it. And, um, you know, being structuring the accounting, the modern firm, so that it's, you know, the the relentlessness of a big compliance client base with Mm. thousands of emails that just never go away and the mindset of being having to respond to every client all the time, that's just eventually just too hard on the partners. Yeah, and I, I really worry. I, I I see partners of accounting firms that are older than me, ten years older than me, and they're a mess. They're mm. really not well. They're, their mental health's not good. Their physical health's not good, and their accounting practices are frankly they're killing them. And um, you know, I thought this is 
I was on that journey. I was mm. totally on that journey. But I, I was lucky enough to to meet, um, you know, Mark Mark Jenkins. He kind of changed my life. Really showed me another way. Mm. And I thought, well, far out. I want to. I really enjoy helping other practitioners. So so now I run. Um, I've got a, two groups, um, accountability groups going. Um, probably starting a third group shortly, which I'm looking for some. Some like-minded, you know, modern firms that want to want to, you know, I guess change their practices for the better and embrace outsourcing and embrace advisory in a structured way. Because to me, those two things go hand in hand. Um, yeah, wanting to to carry on doing that, um, but I also do a lot of strategic planning for accountants. So I try and do um, one a month, mm-hmm. run a strategic retreat where um, we plan out the next five years. We get super clear on three or four strategic pillars. Getting outsourcing humming is a, is a key part of it for me. Mm. You just have to. Uh, the capacity is not there. Just putting an ad on Seek and hiring accountants and putting them in a cube farm is just not going to work anymore, in my view. And coupled with some structured advisory, mm. for me, is, 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 is another key thing. How do you do that? You know, How do you scale a firm away from having a few... I guess subject matter experts in house. The partners, a couple of seniors that are really good advisory. You know that's not really scalable. <laughs> no. To to having the whole team dabble in advisory where it's just infused throughout the place, different levels of of advisory. Mm. That's what I'm passionate about. Um, and we we're still learning how to master that ourselves. You know, we we certainly haven't mastered it. Where we sit now is a whole lot more you know, further ahead than we were a couple of years ago on, on that with, with getting the team to do it. Yeah, so I like to um, pretty much spend all of my time now with other accounting firms, construction-related businesses. I've only got two what I call sandboxes, which is accountants, you know, areas that I play in, which is accountants and construction firms. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. I just like helping them. Um, and it's not easy to, to change the way you're running your own fee base. Except that it's really hard, with, mm. particularly for a traditional firm, um, where a lot of the clients you've known them for years, you know their families, you know their uncles, you know their cats and their dogs. It's it's really difficult to be able to say to a client, "I'm going to be vulnerable for a second. I'm going to be open and honest with you. Something needs to change in my business. I've learned how to um, control my own life, and um, I've made some changes in my own life, which involve." Um, you know, learning, upskilling, setting goals, looking forward, mm. saying no a lot, hardly ever saying yes. But when I do say yes, it's the most important things. So this is an accountant speaking. To go to a client and say, would you be open to working differently to in the future? Mm. Um, and what that looks like is when you're when you're with me, we're looking forward, not back. Um, that doesn't mean we're not going to do your accounts and we're going to keep your your wealth safe and a, and a compliant structure, that's really important. You don't need me for that. Um, my team are way better at that than me. And if, if you're okay, you're open to working differently, then I want to work differently with you. It takes a bit of background to be able to do that. Definitely. And particularly when you get a client that says, no, no, you're my accountant. I've dealt with you for years. The old man dealt with you. We're dealing with you. To be able mm-hmm. to say, well, actually, no. Sorry? Yeah, you're not with a whole lot of love and affection. That's not how this is going to roll. And it might be that if you don't like that, you'll leave the firm. I don't want you to leave the firm. I think you're going to have a better experience. 
Mm. You're still going to get me in a different way. But hardly ever does that happen in my experience. If you're positioned it well, hardly ever do you get clients that really dig their toes in on that. And sometimes it's a case of, well, can I have, can we give it a crack? Mm. So there's two key things. One is that senior manager over here is way better on your file than me, frankly. I know about the big stuff, but there's detail on that file I'm not across. And if I was across it, then I wouldn't be across some, some other stuff that I think is way more valuable to you. So, you know, it's about putting the seniors on a, promoting them, talking them up, supporting mm. them, because they know their stuff, and then breaking that, that mould of every meeting, we look at the accounts, we look at last year, we look backwards. And, and stop looking at the past, checking about checking what's there and what's not there, and um, having a different conversation about the future and their goals and their, you know, talking through the three freedoms. It's a, it takes a bit of time, but I'm convinced it can be done because there's a, well, there's 40 firms now that I'm working with that have done it. <laughs> and it's such an inspirational story, Mark. And I, there's, there's so much that, that I want to, to unpack in all of that. But yeah, firstly, I think you're, you're totally right. And there's there's that taking control of, of the client conversation. And I think that's difficult for a lot of accountants. And the, the phrase we always used to, to work in, in the firms I was with was, was around being an insecure overachiever. So you have these really talented, intelligent, smart accountants who, who achieve amazing things, but they're still quite insecure. And that means that they're, they're nervous about having those kinds of, of client conversations. But one of my favorite phrases is, if you're afraid of losing something, then that means you're letting that thing control you. And if, if people are afraid of, of losing clients, they say, well, I can't say that to that client because I might lose them, or I can't change my ways of working because I might lose that business. Then, then effectively, we're letting those, those clients control our lives and, and control the, the way that we want to work. And by, yeah. as you say, by taking ownership of that conversation, it is scary, but but it needs to happen to to create the life and the business that we want. Yeah, totally. And, you know, when we're remodeling a client base and we, we get down in the weeds when we're doing strategic planning, we will eyeball a client list. Um, we understand average hourly rate, uh, write-ons, write-offs, return on investment, all of the, you know, nerdy metrics that you'd expect from a CA. But when you've remodeled a business, look, showed a client, an accounting, accounting firm client, what's possible. And they sort of, you see a shift in their mindset where they want to lose some clients. Pretty much every accounting firm that I'm working with at the moment, their strategic plan is to get rid of some clients. They've all got too many clients. And so when the mindset is, you know, our time and, and our team's time is so precious that we actually want to lose some clients, and but we're doing it in a way that's authentic, you, you see a change in behaviour. And the team as well, because they're so ingrained into thinking about a time and cost budget, and there's bugger mm. all budget left, <laughs> the last thing they're going to want to do is go and burn some time having a chat about goals. Mm. Whereas if you bake into the cake a whole lot more budget for them, because you've actually sold, you know, using value rather than mm. time, you, you see a lift in the team because they, they want to work for that client because there's heaps of fat in it for them. There's heaps mm. of time. That one there, they're screwed to the wall on a time budget. They're never going to go there. And so, you know, I, I think that comes from, from actually the strategic plan of the business. Mm. And if, if we keep doing what we've done in the past and you don't 
have the mindset where actually we want to lose, we want to cut off our tail. We, you know, we want to lose some clients, then you're never you're never going to have the capacity mm. to do advisory, and therefore there's never going to be a lift in the metrics. You're going to never going to have time. You're yeah. not, and and I think it's it's also very powerful from from an advisory sales approach going into to any prospective client meeting with the mindset we you know we only want to work with a certain type of client we we choose who we work with because we value our expertise and we value our time it's such a more powerful frame to go into a meeting than i need to get a client i need to get the client's money we'll do anything it takes just so we can try and get this win it, they come from totally different stances and, and one is very empowered and one is very reactive and, and disempowered but but i think that that goes all the way through the culture of a business as well yeah, totally. I've even got there's two weeks, actually three weeks in December, mm. where Vic, who runs my calendar, will say to clients, there's no locked-in meetings, they're all tentative. We'll book you in, but it's tentative. Because if the weather's mint, he's going to be out on his boat, mm. frankly. Uh, and the same, there's a couple of weeks in March, everything's weather-dependent. Because <laughs> I'm not there. And clients, they actually respect that. They're, mm. they're cool with that. In an emergency, I'll answer the phone, but there's there's nothing that really needs me. And was that difficult for you, though, Mark, in terms of going from where where you were talking about with, especially with the first business and and the mental health pressures, which again I, I'm a, I'm a massive advocate for myself because I've we always talk about the journeys, don't we? But I've certainly been on on that journey myself. And but going from from that place to being in that position when you can say. As you see, I've got the tentative calendar meetings. If the weather's good, I'm out on my boat. Was was that a difficult shift for you? Mm, no. Well, no, because I I felt like I was at rock bottom. I was mm. just like, really? Is this my life? You know, I am a slave to my phone and my calendar. Mm. I think we've, we've got, I think, I need to go. I think we went on a holiday. I was pretty burnt out. I was quite young at the time, maybe, you know, 30, somewhere around there. No kids. And Esther said to me, my wife, oh, let's just have a holiday, you know. Mm. So go and sit on a beach in Fiji. And after a day, she said, well, I don't even know why you're here. You might as well not be here because you're not here. Your mind's not here. So why are we here? And mm. I was like, true. You can't actually have a holiday unless you're mentally ready to have one. So um, no, I didn't find it hard because I was over it. Mm. But I was still passionate about the industry and I was still passionate about businesses and clients. And, and 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 being an accountant, I love being an accountant. I think it's awesome. So no, no, I found it quite easy to transition the mindset to, you know, if you want to work with me, great. If you don't, that's great too, because it means I get to go fishing. Mm. <laughs> and say so it's a powerful message, and we, uh, the accounting firms are so quick sometimes to talk to clients about, as you say, the three freedoms of 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 time, money, and, and mindset, but then. It's all very well talking to, to to other firms about that, but then when we need, when we look in the mirror and we say, actually, am I am I living those freedoms myself? Am, am I really yeah. achieving that level of freedom that I want, or am I a slave to to my phone, to my clients, to to my calendar, and and so on? Yeah, totally. I'm working with a bunch of partners now that are making big money, mm. and if if I said to all of them, and I do say this, how would you take a two hundred thousand dollar pay cut? To get your life back, they would all take that in a heartbeat. They would make less. And I'm like, okay, well, well, how about we 
not take a 200k pay cut, but you get your life back. You can have your cake and eat it too, but mm. that means tightening up on accountability. We're going to remodel this business. It can be done, mm. but it just depends if you've got the balls to do it. Or are you going to say yes to everyone because you're a people pleaser? And then and actually contradict the yourself. Point, is it? I think around it, you can you can show people the way, you can show them the the, the path and the map, but it's actually say right. Have, have you? Have you got the guts to to actually change your behaviors and your mindset and to start saying no? And I think that's where where so many people struggle when when it comes to taking the action. Yeah. And I think having the fundamental of their capital structure and behind the scenes, mm. you know, like having debt structured right, all the basics of a business needs to be right. But there's a bit of wriggle room to actually infuse that new strategic plan. You know, if we mm. if we've got partners on huge salaries dragging every cent out of our businesses at the cost of the share price of that business, why do we do that? Mm. Why don't we just ease up a little bit? You, you know, you're pulling big money out of your accounting firm. Where are you going to put it? Into property? Very true. <laughs> How about we think a little bit more about our businesses and the share price of our businesses, have them be a little bit more sustainable, build a little bit more wiggle room into it so we can invest into the future. Because all you're going to do is pull it out and invest it in a low-yielding in a, in a low asset anyway. Mm. And do you think that there's an element of impatience with them in terms of we need to pull it out now, we need to make it happen now? And, and do you think they struggle to take that more sustainable view? Absolutely. Accountants, it's not ingrained in them to invest in their business like they would invest in their property. Mm. You know, we don't we don't blink at maintaining the house, painting the house every 10 years or, you know, doing anything to maintain a decent asset like that. Whereas if we think about the shares in our accounting firm, we value them every quarter. We think mm. about what the drivers of that value are. It changes mindset and start investing into the business. A lot of firms are under-invested, frankly. And if you're going to transition a traditional firm to be a modern firm, that's going to require some investment. Definitely. The thinking is often, oh, well, that means we're going to have to take a pay cut. So what? Mm. Take a pay cut because you're going to get it back in a, in a better share price. But very often, it doesn't require a pay cut. It just requires a mindset change. Totally see that. I think you're right. A lot of it, so much of it comes down to down to mindset and that willingness to, to not only see a different path, but actually to, to take it as well. Uh, Mark, I wanted to ask you as well, because you, you mentioned... Uh, a modded accounting firm just now and there's something on on the Bisdom website that that I saw that I really loved and, and it, it was saying this we're a little different to your average accounting practice how important is it we're a little different to your average accounting practice I wanted to ask you how, how important is it to to stand out in in the in the accounting world as a modern accounting practice yes Probably not that proud of that because I think everybody says that. Yeah, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, I'd like to think that we live it though. Um, mm. And having a really good look at a lot of firms now, you know, hand on heart, know that our, our average hourly rate's really high. We run groups. There's mm. a lot of leverage, leverage advisory work going on. You know, multiple clients in a room at once. That's our way of being connected to our clients without it costing them a fortune because if you had to charge one-on-one, 500 mm. an hour for one-on-one, it, sometimes you just value, you price yourself out of the market. It's not worth it. Or it's certainly not sustainable. Eventually a client will churn out of that engagement. Whereas, um, you know, most clients don't don't have a problem with, say, 500 bucks a month or, or 300 bucks a month. 
um, if they're getting a lot for that. Mm. So I think there is a place for leveraged advisory uh, in most firms. And um, from what I've seen, I think we're one of the few that are actually doing it regularly every quarter. Um, I think a lot say they do it, but they don't in mm. reality because they don't have the capacity and they haven't invested in the, in the capability within the team to do it. How important is it to be different? I think it's probably more important to be authentic, you know, and mm. have a bit of fun at work and and play with the clients that you like playing with. You know, mm. even if they're not the most profitable ones, it doesn't matter because, you, you know, you've got to have fun. You know, I've got a particular passion for boats, for example, mm. and I look after a bunch of boat builders now because I love boats. And um, if I look at my... Uh, my sandbox, they're probably not really in that sandbox, but I allow some of those to feature in my life because I, I love it and it's enjoyment for me. I think it's probably more important to be, be a bit authentic about who you want to work with and uh, make sure you're having a bit of fun. Uh, but, yeah, I think a brand and, and, and brand values is, is really important. And over time, the Bizdom brand, I think anybody that comes into contact with that brand, I think they they receive the same message. They know when they come in here mm. that we're not going to be super cheap and that they're going to get advisory as part of the suite. It's just they're expecting it. So, I mean, our strategic plan is we only take on, we don't take on many clients. We don't mm. need to take on many clients. You know, one a month's enough, provided it's a biggie. Um, that's 10 a year, that's plenty. I think it's important to, to like, like any brand, it needs it needs a bit of maintenance, constant and consistent messaging, and it takes years. I think it takes two or three years for that brand to start working. Mm. And you know, posting on social media and and things like that, you know, in the past for me has just attracted a whole lot of keyboard warriors that are super price sensitive, not interested. Mm. Um, it's not us, you know. Whereas now we we do have a regular stream of of people that come and see us. And very often they'll say, you know, we've been following you for a couple of years now and we quite like what we see. Can we have a chat? Mm. Um, so straight away they, they are already ingrained in the fact that we, they're going to be paying for something else other than accounting. And I think the brand does that. Definitely. But, so to that extent, I think it is important to be to be different. And if I look around our industry, there are some great brands that are doing that. Mm. Um, you know, if you're an entrepreneurial-minded business owner that wants someone to help you and you jump online and go digging and you filter out filter out some of the, the brands that say they do it but don't really do it, yeah. you can smell the bullshit. You you can just you just know it's not going to be there. But there's still there's a growing number now, which is which is awesome of firms that are doing some great stuff. Definitely. There are some good brands out there now. But it requires an investment. You know, you need to spend 15, 20 grand on that, mm. in my view, and do the thinking with the creatives. It's not quite right, then park it and revisit it. I think you're right that there's always that that temptation for that that quick fix almost of we'll just we'll just throw something out there and we'll kind of if we throw enough mud at a wall, then maybe some of it will stick. But but I think you say it it takes that that patience and that time and, and that crafting to to really to, to get it right. And as you say, to, to actually prove that that you live it as well yeah i mean we thought we got into a bit of a, a mindset a while back where we thought we needed to join a a, a, a network a wider mm. network you know um 
an international network or, or something like that to give our brand a bit of authenticity and show that we can compete with the big firms. Mm. And, um, you know, chatting to firms that are in a network, very often it's they're saying, what are you doing? We're the opposite. We're thinking about getting out of it. Mm. <laughs> so we haven't done it, but I still think that a, a network would be helpful, but you wouldn't want to lose the, the, the existing brand because it's taken six years and it's actually working now. Was I don't think I would have said that three years ago. Mm. No, I see that. And I think we... A lot of the business owners that I work with as well, they say there's there's almost that that again that fear based pressure. We we need to be posting on LinkedIn every day. We need to speak like one firm even said to me, "Oh, we need to have a TikTok account. We need to be doing this. We need to be part of a network." And it's that I think a lot of it can come from a place of insecurity for for firms that don't change their path. Just saying we we're not enough as we are. We we need to have something else to try and get out there. When I think if you get clear on who you are how you help people what you deliver and then you stand your ground in that authentic way it does take longer but it's so much more powerful yeah you'll you'll have fun you'll attract the the client that you want to work with and you don't need many of them Mm. you know and and as i said pretty much every firm i'm working for needs less clients and you know if you have a look at the client list Mm. They don't need any new clients. They don't even just start helping you this ones. Definitely. No, I love that. And uh, uh, Mark, I know we're, we're coming to the end of the show now. I've got just a couple more questions for you around, certainly around the, the future. And, and what do you see as, as the future for for the accounting industry? And, and also, what's, what's the future for Bisdom? Um, the industry... Oh, look, pretty slow, slow moving, let's be honest. Not a huge amount of innovation. I mean, there is there is pockets of it, which is great, but it takes years. You've heard the cliche, oh, compliance is going to die. Um, software is going to take that over. I think I've been saying that for 50 years now. It's not going to happen. Compliance is really important. Um, it's really important to be done right and, and efficiently. So, you know, some headwinds in our industry, I think that, when we look at university students going to accounting, um, where you've got an eco- economies that are expanding, more and more um, small business owners, you know, getting into business, and the number of accountants, you know, in comparison going into uni, the numbers aren't there. So I think major capacity constraints mm. and becoming really scarce resource for you know firms that can that can do advisory. That can attract and retain talent that you know of that ilk, that's going to be really competitive. Um, so I think uh you know, for firms that are not investing heavily in systemization and outsourcing, and they're not investing in in their brand, not to attract clients, but to attract talent, mm. the right talent, um, some headwinds, um, in my view. Because the accountants are not going to be there. You can't just go and hire someone off the shelf anymore, um, particularly in the regions. You know, really hard in the regions. So I think that that coupled with, I think, you know, burnout. Mm. You know, burnout for a lot of accounts where they just go, I'm over this. I'm done with this. I'm going to go and do something else. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> compliance will always be there. And some amazing tools coming out now. That, that make doing advisory in a structured way and a consistent way across a client base 
pretty exciting for mm-hmm. me, you know, to see to see uh, young people doing that, doing advisory that's that's not not done by the partners, that's done by the team. So yeah, firms that are, have that mindset, I don't think there's a prosperous future for them. Mm. Um, I don't really understand how you could try and think that you're going to scale accounting an accounting firm by filling up a cube farm full of people and getting it all done locally. I just mm. don't understand how that can work long term. You've got salaries going up and you've got price pressure on compliance going down. So for me, you know, outsourcing, structuring, structured advisory and a brand that lends itself towards that kind of three key strategic colours. Definitely. No, I think that's a, that's a great summary. There's the future. Yeah, with the future for Bizdom, how's how's that looking? Um, yeah, we uh, we've sort of reached the end of a strategic cycle now, um, five years. So we're now uh, building the new one. Mm. For me, I'm looking to develop my governance career. Mm-hmm. Uh, my goal is to win a win a directorship. Haven't won haven't won one yet. Um, on a listed company, that's that's my my long term goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm personally investing in myself. I'm having a sabbatical this year. I'm having six months off. Um, to go and um, spend a bit more time reading and, and upskilling and, and my governance capability. And, yeah, we're looking for another director. Um, we can't really grow too much, to be honest, until we find another director. So, mm. you know, um, we, we're, we're trying to either merge or find um, a like-minded firm. Um, otherwise, it's business as usual to an extent with us. We've got to get, get with recently if, uh, infused FYI into our business, which is a Pretty grunty software, mm. um, been fairly fairly problematic for the year, <laughs> and you know learned a lot, made a fair few mistakes on that, but determined to to make it work. So, so that's a big part of the short term for us is to get that humming. The automation and and things like that that's built into that software looks amazing, but we're we're not there yet. Mm. Yeah, we've got some young some young seniors in here. We've uh, we've got uh, four or three three. Senior managers that are looking to grow their careers, and a business manager as well. That's got, she's going really well. So continue to develop them, and and just look after what we've got to an extent. You know, not huge amounts of growth. You know, I think we we're gunning for eight percent growth this year. Nothing like the the fifteen twenty percent growth that we've had in the past. It's not sustainable, and we don't want to be massive. Mm. Um, but but big picture, yeah, we need another director badly. <laughs> Um, and we don't care how long it takes. If we don't find them this year, that's cool. Um, if someone gives us the yell, then that's awesome too. Mm. Definitely. No, perfect. Thank you for that, Mark. And uh, I think there's a uh, there's a great future ahead, both for both for you and for Bizdom, and and also for your clients. And uh, before we we finish up, again, I wanted to say something. That I think something uh, some things up really nicely uh, again from from your website that said. We want to do work we love in a way that supports a life that we love, which I think is uh, is so powerful because that's what it's it's all about. I think it's it's about doing great work with clients that we have fun working with that um, that helps us enjoy our lives in uh, in a way that makes us smile. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I mean, it should be a beautiful business model, right? Mm. <laughs> if, if you if you spend much time looking at strategies and looking at business model. A modern accounting firm's got to be an awesome business. <laughs> definitely, in my view. In my view, no, and same here. You're definitely uh, preaching converted there. I think there's there's so much opportunity, and uh, 
yeah i uh, everything accounting i uh, i love and i think there's for people with the right vision ambition knowledge habits the the world really is their oyster yeah that's right but before we finish up we have a uh, a secret tradition here on uh, on make it count which is the uh, the previous podcast guest gets to set a secret question for the next podcast guest so i have a, a question for you that was set by the uh, by the previous guest and the good news is you get to set the next question after the show which is always uh, always a bonus but the uh, the question for you is as an accountant what is your greatest fear um we always like to put people on the spot with these ones. Oh, look, if I'm brutally honest, it's the the filing percentage. Mm-hmm. I, I that used to freak me out, particularly because we're so heavy in fixed price agreements. Mm. We've actually got lock up at about zero. Oh, you know, yeah. our our income in advance mm. is about the same as our work in progress and our debtors combined. So. For me, being a bit strategic and thinking about my balance sheet, mm. <laughs> not doing the work that I've already been paid for yeah. is something that that freaks me out, and I keep a close eye on that. Mm. So, um, yep, uh, an event that shaped my life that in a previous life, I think I had that around Christmas time, which was sort of like two thirds mm. through the production year for us. I think I was down at sort of fifty percent. It was ugly and it was scary. Oh, and I never okay. want to be there again. No. Um, <laughs> and so that that's probably my biggest fear. And which is why I don't have heaps and heaps of clients. And I, <laughs> you know, structure my business in a way that, you know, only 60% of our revenue is from compliance. And that's deliberate. So that that fear never comes comes out again. Perfect. I love it. No, that's uh, that's great insight. Thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. If people want to to reach out to you either personally or reach out to Bizdom, how how do they find you? How do they get in touch? Ah, uh, yeah, flick me an email, uh, Mark at bizdom.co.nz. Uh, jump on our website, bizdom.co.nz. Um, as I said, we are we are looking to work with more accounting firms to help them um, get a bit more control, get 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 their life back, really. Mm. And, you know, learn from the mistakes that we've made. I mean, we're learning all the time as well, reading a lot of books, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, um, rubbing shoulders with other other accountants as well. So, yeah, we love to love to um, to work with more that are like-minded in that way. And I think, you know, a little plug it would be a director, yeah, or someone who's a senior manager in a firm, they're feeling a bit blocked. We love to hear from them. It doesn't matter where you live. The world's changed. You know, in fact, I think I need... 30% of our clients are in Napier. Mm. <laughs> you know, 70% of them everywhere. But yeah, um, definitely. that's me. Look me up. Give me a ring for a chat. Love to hear from you. Perfect. I will put all those links in, uh, in the notes for the show as well. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being part of Make It, Make it Count. And we would love to have you back on the show again in the future. Likewise. Thanks, Freddie. Love your love work. It. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode informed, educated, motivated, and inspired you to make it count for your clients and your business. Make sure you check out the show notes of this episode for the all important links. Please hit subscribe, share it with the world, and don't forget to give us a five-star review. 
We love getting feedback on this show and I'd love to hear which part resonated with you the most. Remember, you have got the skills, talent, expertise and experience to make a huge difference in the lives and businesses of your clients. The days of the bean counter are over. It's time to make it count. I'll see you on the other side.